This is Liam Hendricks and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Byroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am super excited to be here with each and every one of you today. Every now and again, you plan a show. You put a lot of work into getting the show ready. You have it scripted, ready to go, perfectly set. And then your guest doesn't respond on Twitter or anything like that. And it's okay. It happens sometimes. I am going to, I was supposed to have a good friend of mine come on the show and talk some Cincinnati Reds. I've been tweeting all week about the Reds and how excited I am to talk Reds. Guess what? I'm still talking Reds on this show. Nobody is stopping me from talking Reds on this show. Um, we're going to try and get some of this technical di- difficulties figured out. So I will lead off with something other than the reds, just in case it gets fixed up. But, you know, I believe, you know, this show is probably gonna end up being a little shorter than initially intended due to some of these technical difficulties, but I'm excited to talk baseball with you today. I'm going to start off with probably what's been the biggest story in baseball or one of the biggest stories in baseball over the last, I don't know couple weeks well he's been the biggest story in baseball for about four years now but you know he's really picked it up again on absolute fire lately and that is los angeles angels superstar shohei otani shohei otani is now the american league leader in home runs he also has a hundred strikeouts as a pitcher he hit his american league leading 21st home run yesterday Dude pummeled it like 460 feet opposite field. You know how hard it is to hit it opposite field? That means you have to extend your arms in such a way that you push it. You push the baseball. And in order to hit it that far opposite field is truly sensational. And Shohei Otani did it to extend his American League lead in home runs. And he's pitching for the Angels tonight. (laughs) You know, just absolutely incredible what this guy is able to do. You see the video on the screen if you're watching the... um, the video version here on audio you could just find it on twitter or something i think i tweeted the video of the home run it was a two-run home run for otani he's up to 52 rbis on the season two which is just absolutely incredible and you know otani's a dog there's no doubt about it and the fact that he is truly a unicorn makes him the type of player that i want to watch always um you know babe ruth he never had more than like 170 strikeouts in a season. And the one time he did have 170 strikeouts, he had like 115 walks and he didn't hit nearly to the level that Shohei Otani is able to hit. I truly believe that Shohei Otani is the truest first player of his kind because Babe Ruth, he stopped pitching, you know, once he started hitting Otani is now 
in his third straight season of 20-plus home runs and 100-plus strikeouts. He is the definition of an elite two-way player. I believe he's probably the second-best hitter in Major League Baseball. I probably would put Aaron Judge ahead of him in terms of just pure hitting. Um, and then he's probably like the fifth, sixth, or seventh starting pitcher. But the fact that he's top 10 in both categories makes him the overall best player in baseball, in my opinion. Um, he might he might even be better than like the fifth or sixth. He might be top five in both. There's really no doubt that this guy is just truly one of the best in the world at everything. Uh, oh, and he's also got like 15 stolen bases too, not to undermine his ability to steal bases and be incredibly fast. He'd probably have more if the stealing bases wasn't kind of dangerous. You know, people look at stealing bases as an easy way to get hurt because you're diving across the middle of the field with a ball coming at your face 80 miles per hour from the catcher. You know, Otani, he could steal bases too. And I did the math. He's on pace for over 47 home runs for the rest of the season, and he'll probably finish with about 250 strikeouts. So he's going to have ace-level Cy Young caliber numbers on the mound, and he's going to be amongst the league leaders in home runs, batting average, uh, OPS, you know, pretty much every part of the slash line you could think of. Um, RBIs through the roof. He'll get 100 RBIs for sure. He's already, you know, over halfway to 100 RBIs with more than halfway to the season to go. Um, as long as Otani stays healthy, he is the most productive player in the game of baseball right now. And really only Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers and Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, maybe there are a couple basketball players too. Nikola Jokovic, or Jokic. Um, what's his name? Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. Those guys are up there in terms of basketball. But Otani, I think he might lead the pack in terms of the the major league male sports in uh, North America. So credit to Otani. He deserves a little bit of our time here to talk about him. I wish the Angels were a tad bit better. You know, they're a bubble team right now. I'm not sure if Otani finishes his season with the Angels by any means. There's certainly a chance that that happens, but I'm not positive that you know, that's going to be the case. It'd be cool to see if the Angels are not going to extend him, right? And they're not going to fork up the half a billion dollars that Otani's worth. You know, we'll see if he ends up with the Dodgers, who Chicago fans are getting a good glimpse at this week. Um, you know, the Seattle Mariners are a team that makes sense. Um, do you think either Chicago team would have a chance? I would think the Cubs would be more likely to end up with Otani than the White Sox, but you, you never know what happens with the Yankees in the mix and the Mets. Steve Cohen is willing to spend all of his money on baseball players, so we will see what happens with that. Um, but hey, you're living and breathing at the same time as Shohei Otani right now, and I don't think there's any doubt that that is just one of the great things about life right now he is a true pleasure to watch I, I don't even think it's like a sports thing it's like you could go up to somebody who moderately knows something about baseball and you could be like hey there's this guy who he's one of the best hitters in the world and he's also one of the best pitchers in the world he is Garrett Cole and Ronald Acuna Jr. in one player and, you know, he's got Mike Trout playing on the same team as him. You think the Angels would be better, but it is a team game, probably just as much as any other game in the world. And, you know, Otani, he's going to get the bag one day, one day soon. I'm excited to see what it ends up being. Um, it's funny because in the World Baseball Classic, it came down to Otani versus Trout. And Otani was on the mound. 
and he ended up getting the save in the game. And it's like, but all tournament long, he's been mashing. Well, here he is pitching in the biggest spot, and he strikes out his teammate in the major leagues and one of the best hitters ever, Mike Trout. And, you know, that that's what this world has come to. It's Otani versus everybody, and that's just the way we want to see it as baseball fans right now. He's the greatest thing to happen to major league baseball, I believe, probably ever. I mean, you know, there was the home run chase in the late 90s that was obviously tainted for some people by the things that came out about it in terms of performance enhancing drugs and whatnot. And Bonds hit a couple more home runs than McGuire and Sosa a couple years later. But, you know, the fact that Otani, he's seemingly a clean dude. He's always happy. He's always in a good mood, it seems like. Just an absolute gem of a human being from all accounts. Um, to see him be this good at every part of baseball is just so heartwarming. And we'll see what ends up of his career. But, man, I'm excited to see it regardless of how it ends. And those of you who are watching the uh, clip right here of Otani with Team Japan, I mean, I think I've said this on the show before. I probably said it on South Burbs Hitman, too. When Otani was facing Trout, listen, I'm proud to be American. You know, it's, it's, it's a good country you know, Japan, but, you know, I would never root for them over Team USA, right? Well, in this moment, I forgot all about country pride and all that kind of stuff. Didn't care. It was all about baseball in that moment, and I could not have been happier to watch Otani strike out Mike Trout on that biggest stage. It did not – I was rooting for Team USA up until that exact moment. It was the weirdest thing. I think that highly of Otani. I think that highly of his impact on the game of baseball. And it was truly, truly cool to see. I mean, he's pumping 100 right down the middle to Mike Trout. And Mike Trout has nothing to do with it. Can't find it in any way. And the fact that he was able to, you know, end up getting him out here. I mean, these highlights play and I watch them and I'm just like, holy crap, this was a real thing. Um, You know, and I'm sure him and Mike Trout, they had a nice little laugh about it. It's the World Baseball Classic, right? Like, you know, it's a big tournament. It was a meaningful tournament. A lot of people were excited about it. I was certainly all in on it. Crosstown Crosstalk was basically a show that was dedicated to covering the World Baseball Classic for a couple weeks. But, you know, it all came down to this. It was a 3-2 count with Mike Trout in the plate or at the plate. And here's Otani. He has this chance to do it. And... You know, he got it done. He got it done. And baseball is better for it. Baseball needs Shohei Otani, I think, at this point in time. Um, I mean, there's a guy who's a hitter and a pitcher. And people say he's a unicorn. He is a unicorn. I absolutely believe he's a unicorn. But, you know, I do think there are going to be other kids that realize because of Otani, Otani will help them to this realization. I, I don't have to drop pitching when I turn 16. Hey, I don't have to stop worrying about my hitting once I'm out of high school. No, you could keep trying to do both. Like, if you're elite at both, why stop at one? You know, maybe injuries or lack of production will help, you know, take one of those away from your arsenal. But who knows? Maybe there will be a guy one day again who can do both the way Otani does, and they'll directly blame Shohei Otani for that. And, you know, if you ever get the chance to watch the Los Angeles Angels, do it. I highly recommend it's It's must-see television every single time. Um, so we were supposed to talk about the Cincinnati Reds for a majority of this show. Um, I'm not going to go through my entire list of Reds questions in case, uh, in case next week we resolve whatever went on 
um, with who, you know, my guest and what was supposed to happen today. I would like to do that. Um, I want to have many, many conversations about the Cincinnati Reds on this show as the summer goes along. They're the most interesting team in baseball, in my opinion, right now, not because of the fact that they're like this super, super dominant team. They've been a very good team. They're just coming off a sweep of the Kansas City Royals. And I know the Kansas City Royals, spare me that. They're still a Major League Baseball team. You sweep them, you should feel good about yourself. Um, But, you know, they have just star players that are on the uprise that, you know, I, I can get behind. I can absolutely get behind these guys. A guy like Ellie De La Cruz, just phenomenal, phenomenal. And not only is he phenomenal, and I'm, I pulled up his stats here. Ellie De La Cruz has a slash line of 295, 361, 536 for an OPS of 897. Now, guys, it's a small sample size. I'm aware. He was just called up a couple weeks ago, and he's just been an absolute madman pretty much you know, his entire time with the team, um, he, he's just got this, like, it factor that's, like, exciting. There are lots of great players in the game right now, but Ellie De La Cruz is just electric factory, and he knows it. He knows he has the ability to be a game-breaker, and he's taken full advantage of it. Dude can steal bases. He's already got his first career home run. Um, I'm not sure that the power is going to necessarily be one of the key factors in his career, but, you know... We'll see what ends up happening. You know, I got his minor league stats pulled up here as well. He's not really much of a home run threat. He hit 22 home runs, or he had 28 home runs in 2022 split between two different leagues, um, you know, the minor leagues. But, you know, if he's a 20, 25 home run guy, but he helps produce in the middle of the lineup by just, you know, hitting gaps and being a, a dog in pretty much every every aspect of the game. I think the Cincinnati Reds are going to build around it. And Steven Zim Zimmerman, my good friend and co-host says Ellie De La Cruz is the next big thing in the national league. I couldn't agree more. You know, you got studs in the national league, like Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis jr. Um, Bryce Harper. Um, you know, there are plenty others that I'm not even going to remember to name. Cause there's so many um, Juan. No, I already said Juan Soto, um, Ronald Acuna jr. Ozzy Albies, you know, most of the guys on the Mets that are exciting, you know, um, Ellie De La Cruz is going to be amongst the leaders of the pack in terms of being fun to watch. And, you know, Zim, I'm sure he's big in the card world right now. I would have to assume these super exciting uh, young guys are always big in that world for sure. I'm sure there are some people buying some Ellie De La Cruz cards for lots and lots of money. Another player that we like to talk about is Jonathan India. Jonathan India burst onto the scene in 2021. Um, He was a rookie that year, and he was the rookie of the year in the National League because he was just so awesome. And, you know, we could pull up his stats right now here too as well because I am a big fan of his game. The White Sox passed on drafting him, which is, you know, something that will annoy me forever. But he's already up to a 1.3 war on the season, and we're just a little bit through. So he's like – He's just a good player. He plays second base, which is obviously something that has eluded some of our favorite teams over the years. He's got a slash line, does Jonathan India, of 278, 361, 433 for 794 OPS. He currently has eight home runs. Not bad. He's just a good, solid player. Do I think Jonathan India is like a superstar? Is he a change-the-game type guy like uh, Ellie De La Cruz? I'm not certain, but... 
just a good player on an exciting team. If he ends up being the Reds, like fourth best player in their starting lineup, you know, I think this is a team that can compete for National League Division, um, National League Central Division championships for year to come. Um, you know, if we get the thing resolved and we have our guest on next week or something and we get into a deeper Reds conversation, we'll probably dive pretty deep into what's going on with the Reds in terms of their prospect pool of guys that maybe you haven't heard of quite as much. And, you know, I'm sure there are some people out there that didn't know who Ellie De La Cruz was a month ago. And that's okay because not all of us have time to sit there and dissect Cincinnati Reds farm systems and whatnot. That's something that, you know, eludes us until they reach the major leagues. I want to know more about what is to come with this team because they've been bad for a long time. And they remind me of what the Orioles were last year and the Mariners the year before. Just this team that they're exciting, they're young, they're fast, they're, they got some swagger, and, you know, all of a sudden they start calling up these prospects and you're like, well, how did we get here? How did this happen? The Reds were bad for a long time. And the owner, he took a lot of criticism last year for admitting he doesn't really like spending all that much money. And he basically dared Reds fans to pick a new team. Like, what are you going to do, Naru for us? Go ahead, I dare you. I dare you to pick a new team. Go ahead. Become a Guardians fan. You know, become a Cubs fan. I dare you. And, you know, of course, the Reds faithful are going to stick around there. I think, did the Cincinnati Reds invent Major League Baseball? They're one of the very original teams in the league, which is why they're quite literally called the Reds. Cause you know, in 1880, they couldn't come up with anything more interesting than color names. Um, you know, that's where, you know, the Reds, the white stockings, the, the Cubs were the white stockings before they became the Cubs. Like there's all sorts of, you know, different historical things that are associated with the Cincinnati Reds. So I think the league would be better if the Reds were good. And, you know, I had this on my sheet to talk Cincinnati's becoming this like, this town that's supporting great sports teams. I mean, what Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have done in the last three years since being the worst team in the league and drafting Joe Burrow first overall has been remarkable. And you see the support that they get in Cincinnati. And, you know, they came so close to beating the Kansas City Chiefs this year. They would have went back to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. And a lot of people believe that the winner of the Chiefs and the Bengals we're going to win the Super Bowl over the Eagles. Uh, you know, the Eagles probably think they could have had a chance against either team. They ended up barely losing to the Chiefs, but the Bengals have just proven that when they're a winner, they're a winner, and the fans are obsessed with the Bengals and the Reds. So, you know, it's nice to see Cincinnati thriving. I can't really get behind Skyline Chili. That shit looks disgusting. I would try it. There's not much I wouldn't try, but I'm not going to be going to get some Skyline Chili while watching the Reds anytime soon, but I'm going to be enjoying the Reds for sure. Um, and I want to hear more about, you know, the Cincinnati Reds starting pitching when we start to go through the summer and, you know, dissect the Reds a little bit more. You know, you see on the screen the Skyline Chili. I don't know if I get behind that stuff. I mean, these dogs actually look kind of good. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, <laughs> who knows? Maybe I will like Sky. Uh, see, that That to me just doesn't look apt. That looks like dog food, Skyline Chili. But, you know, who am I to say I won't try dog food? Well, I'm just saying. I'll try Skyline Chili. I don't really love beans, though. Yeah, it doesn't look as appetizing as people make it seem, but I've heard people say Skyline Chili makes you live forever. So watch the Reds eat Skyline Chili. Go Joe Burrow. Um, the Reds conversation will continue throughout the summer. I'm 
I apologize to the fans of the show, the people that watch about, you know, not getting the full Reds experience like I've been preaching all week. But, you know, sometimes shit happens and I'm going to save most of the conversation for the future. I'm not going to spoil most of my, uh, um, you know, thinking points here because I kind of want to just run it back next week as well. So South Burbs Hitman, that's Joe Mandel says poop party with a chili appetizer. Um, yeah, that's kind of actually a really good way to describe it. You know, I look at that skyline chili and I already feel like I have to start going to the bathroom. I'm like, oh, man, that is that is interesting stuff. So we're going to move on. Um, I wish we talked more about the Reds, but I promise I'm going to tweet about it all week again, about how I want to return to this conversation next week. Maybe we'll get that all figured out. Um, the Cubs versus the Pirates. They came back. They went down 5-1 yesterday, did the Cubs. And then they came back and won the game 10-6. Big, big, big inning where the Cubs scored six six runs to take a 6-5 to five lead. And then they ended up getting the 7-5 to five lead in the same inning because they had a run already. And, you know, the Pirates got one back, but the Cubs ended up getting up to 10. And so that's two straight games where the Cubs got to double-digit scoring. And, you know, getting double-digit runs is not easy in Major League Baseball. That is far from easy, actually. And, you know, there were a couple guys who had multi-hit, multi-RBI games. I'm actually going to pull up the stats right now from that game yesterday. You can actually go to thewindycity.com to read my recap of the game between the Chicago Cubs and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, Let me see here. Sometimes this stuff takes forever. Mike Talkman, Seiya Suzuki, and Dansby Swanson had multi-hits and multi-RBI games. So, you know, those are the guys, well, some of them, Seiya Suzuki and Dansby, those are guys you expect offense from. Seeing Mike Talkman in the the leadoff spot, though, have a game like that, good on him. Um, It was not a particularly good game for, um, now I'm drawing a blank on his name. I literally just had it in front of my face. I think it was Drew Smiley who started for them. And, yes, it was Drew Smiley, and he allowed five earned runs, not a particularly good game for him at all. You're, the Cubs aren't blaming their pitching for their win yesterday. Um, I believe the bullpen relinquished a run, too. So not a great pitching performance for Smiley. He let the Pirates get out to that lead and forced the Cubs to have to score 10 runs in order to win. But, hey, they got it done. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I believe today, tonight, they're going to be going for the sweep because, like I said, they scored two runs in each of the first two games um taking down the pirates who are right there for the lead in the uh NL Central Division. In fact, yes, they still lead the NL Central Division by one game over the Milwaukee Brewers, one and a half game over those Cincinnati Reds. Um the Pirates have been a good team this year. And but they still feel like a fragile team that can, you know, randomly lose games and that's what happened to the Cubs these last two. The Cubs are going to be going for the sweep later today. And, of course, who's going to be on the mound as they try to go for said sweep is going to be our buddy Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman is going to face um, Oviedo. Okay, so that's that's a nice pitching matchup for the two teams. Johan Oviedo is having a, you know, a decent year. He's 3-5, and 4-16 ERA, 1.43 whip. He's got a record. The record doesn't show on here. I don't know what his record is. His record is three and five, so not a great record for him. But, you know, the Cubs, this is a nice way to kind of get back in it a little bit. If they win this game and complete the sweep over the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're going to be, if 
the if the what are they called? No, if, that would get them within three and a half games of the division. So, yeah, three and a half games because the Pirates lead. They'd get the win. Yep, three and a half games. And that's where you want to be at this point if you're the Cubs after that uh, stretch of tough games that kind of buried them in the division a little bit. You complete the sweep today. You go into Baltimore feeling good about yourself. And that's where I want to get to next. The Baltimore Orioles, the Cubs' next opponent. They're good. They're good. They're probably better than the Yankees. I think they are better than the Yankees. They're 42 and 25. Um, they'll be waiting for the Cubs. I don't, I'm not sure they're going to catch the Tampa Bay Rays in the division. They're five games out, even though they have this great record, but guess what? It doesn't really matter because there's no one game wild card anymore. It doesn't really matter if you come in second in your division, if you have an elite record, because if you have an elite record, you'll have a chance to beat whoever it is you play in the first round. And the Orioles have been doing some really nice things lately. And the fact that the Cubs are going to have to go there and face them. That's going to be tough. They're actually hosting the Orioles. I don't know why I said go there and face them, but they are playing against the Orioles at Wrigley Field this weekend. Um, the Cubs pitching seems to be TBD for all three games, but it does look like the Orioles have their guys set, so they're ready to go. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes before the O's take on the Cubs, though. They are finishing up a game against the Toronto Blue Jays right now in which they lead 3-2. to two. The podcast listeners on audio will know what happened in that game by the time you're listening to this, but um, going to be an in-depth series for the Cubs, and you know, by the time we see you next week, the Cubs will have gone through that series against the Orioles, and then guess what? It's right back over to Pittsburgh to play the Pirates again, who are in the lead for the division. So a big series against the O's, could have the Cubs within striking distance of first place in the National League Central. Um, these big wins over the Pirates that they've had the last couple of days have kind of got them in that position. We'll see if they're able to carry it forward against a much better team in the O's. Um, the O's are kind of like an advanced version of what I think the Reds are going to become. They've brought in all these prospects at the same time. They all went through the minor league systems together. The Orioles were bad for many years in a row. I mean, for the last couple of years, not last year, but the year before, and the years before that, three or four years before that, the O's were like borderline unwatchable. Like they weren't fun to watch at all. They didn't do anything. They lost 105 games every single year on average. But, you know, sometimes if you're smart and you take advantage of those draft picks, they had the number one pick when they took Adley Rushman. And now he's probably the best catcher in Major League Baseball. Uh, he'd be the catcher. I'd draft 1-1 if I'm only drafting catchers. So we'll see what comes about with that. And the Cubs with the Orioles and then the Pirates again should be interesting. But, you know, you got to take it one game at a time. You got your ace on the mound today going for the sweep. You'll be within three and a half of the division if you win it, the game. Um, then you got to take care of your business against the O's. But first things first, as for the other team on the other side of town, the Chicago White Sox, they dropped their first game against the Dodgers on Tuesday Kind of really didn't have a chance at all. Lance Lynn left the first inning down 4 nothing, And that's exactly, you know, what you don't want to do to a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers who just have a relentless offense. Um, Gabe wants us to draft a defensive catcher. I think he's talking about the White Sox. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for drafting a catcher and developing over him over the years. Um but yeah, that, that loss to the Dodgers only stung because they blew two games against the Miami Marlins a couple days before. And you don't want to be blowing games to the Miami Marlins, who are a good team as well, but you had wins in the bag and you blew it. Um, I just, I don't think that, you know, 
the, the White Sox, they suck. You know, you lose to the two to the Marlins in fashion that they did. Yeah, great. Whatever. They did. Like, they suck. And then they come out to the Dodgers and they stink. Well, yesterday, they do what they do always and try to pull everybody right back in. And, you know, they go down. They take a 2 nothing lead, first of all. Luis Robert and Jake Berger hit these big blasts to get them out to a 2 nothing lead. And then a bad f- fifth inning or whatever it was, sixth inning, that made the Dodgers score a couple runs. They scored four runs. They took a 4-2 lead. And then in the eighth inning, Eloy Jimenez, he hits a double. He splits a gap like we like to see Eloy do. And then our guy, Jake Berger, hits his second home run of the game to get the game tied. And that wasn't the last the White Sox scored. They ended up getting eight total runs, and they won the game 8-4. to four. And, you know, our buddy Jake Berger, two home runs in the game. That's the first time in his major league career that he hit um, a multi-home run game. And, you know, we want to see that guy get to the All-Star game. I don't know if he's going to be able to win the vote. He's kind of going against Shohei Otani, the two DHs in the American League. Um, I don't. He's not going to beat Otani, right? But, like, I think Major League Baseball should do right by Berger and at minimum put him in the home run derby. But second thought, they, you know, he, he can be a White Sox representative. The White Sox are allowed to have two teams. I'm sick of this narrative that the White Sox don't deserve to have, you know, two players. Most teams in baseball suck. So are you saying most teams in baseball don't deserve an All-Star? That's not just not true. The White Sox have two guys that deserve to be in the All-Star game, Jake Berger and Luis Robert Jr. Put them both in because they both deserve it. Um, but they're, they're, he's not going to be in the starting lineup over Shohei Otani, and to be honest, nor should he. I'm sure Jake Berger himself would admit that. Like, it's freaking Otani. Um, but he should be a reserve designated hitter, and he should be at minimum in the home run derby. Um, but Joe Mandel says, what about Giolito? Giolito? They're just, I could probably name five or six starting pitchers in the American League that deserve it more. I'm not saying Giolito doesn't deserve it, because um, he probably does. But I think uh, I think there's there's more pitchers in the American League that are going to get the nod above him, and that's just where I stand on it. Um, yeah, Gabe says it perfectly. Two guys are killing it. Jake Berger and um, Luis Robert Jr. That's obviously the two guys who deserve to be in the all-star game, in my opinion. Um, so got a little bit of time though, before that game rolls around, got about a month until we see the players break for um, the all-star game. And there's a little bit of breaking news in regards to the white Sox while we're talking about them. Um, Chicago white Sox, third baseman, Yoan Moncada is hitting the injured list. Listen, who cares? Moncada has been pretty brutal. He was the number one prospect in baseball. I thought he was going to be an all-world second baseman when he first came over. They move him to 30 as the really good year. Well, you know, he's just been underwhelming. He's been underwhelming. And, you know, Mankata getting on the injured list, I'm sorry for him. I hope he feels better. I hope everything works out and he's able to come back. He's not a bad player. He's certainly not a bad player, but he's not a good player either. And I'd much rather have Jake Berger... Um, be the third baseman in the long term than Yohan Mankata. Jake Berger deserves it. You know, now that Mankata's on the injured list, hopefully Berger plays third every single day. I don't care if it's at home. I don't care if it's on the road. I don't care if it's a righty. I don't care if it's a lefty. Jake Berger should be playing every single day. Give him an off day here and there. Fine. Everybody gets one. But Jake Berger should be in the regular rotation. And when Mankata comes back, he should not be booting Jake Berger out of the lineup. Mankata has not earned that. 
um, respect. Sorry, that's just the way it is. Um, the White Sox tonight will play the rubber match against the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm fairly happy that they were able to get one against the Dodgers. But now it's like, why not try to win the series, right? Like they could be in the same position as the Cubs, just a handful of games out of first place. Um, the American League Central is even worse than the National League Central, even though they're the two worst divisions in baseball. But um, I don't know. I'm excited for this game, though, this night game. It'll start at, you know, local time around 9 o'clock, Dodgers, White Sox. Um, Dylan Cease is on the mound. So obviously the White Sox will have the slight edge in terms of the starting pitching, but the Dodgers have about 10 edges in terms of the starting lineup. So we'll see what happens from there. Um, I'm excited for it either way, though. And then once the White Sox are done with this series against the Dodgers, they're going to go on and face the way, face the uh, the Seattle Mariners and, you know, kind of do that weekend series with them. And then I'm looking back to – See, hold on. Give me a sec. I'm way deep now looking at the schedule. My apologies on that. The White Sox are going to be playing the Mariners over the weekend. But then when they come back, it looks like, yeah, they got the Texas Rangers at home. So, you know, the Texas Rangers, they've been outstanding all season long. They currently lead the National League West or the American League West. Excuse me. They got a three and a half game lead over the Houston Astros. And... You know, that's not something to scoffle at at this point in time. Do you think the Texas Rangers are going to hang on and win the division? Listen, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Texas Rangers kind of fade a little bit, but they still make the playoffs. I think they're going to make the playoffs. If the Houston Astros win the division, though, I wouldn't be all too surprised. Um, They're on a little bit of a heater right now. They've won two in a row. Jose Abreu has started hitting again. We all know what June Abreu is all about. You know, if you're a White Sox fan, you know all about June Abreu. Um, Juno Bray has been in full effect for the Astros too. So we'll see what happens with them, but Dodgers, Mariners, Rangers for the White Sox, you know, in between now and our next show, um, it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. Um, but Hey, baseball's going strong. I've been enjoying it. Um, the Stanley cup final just ended. So now it's basically just baseball all summer long until training camp starts. And then we'll be doing baseball and football. So I didn't talk about the Cincinnati Reds as much as I wanted to today, but I am going to save it for having the guest that we want to have on because I believe I deserve to, or they deserve the justice to be given to them. Um, I want to have a proper conversation about that. So I encourage everybody to make sure that they're tuned in next week to Crosstown Crosstalk, where we will right the wrong of the technical difficulty that we had today. And I encourage everybody to listen to the rest of the shows here on the Barroom Network. You know, great stuff as, you know, um, the mini camps are going on in football and baseball's getting hot. The South Burbs Hitman will be right back with you with a very exciting guest on Monday. The creator of the company that uh, the CEO of the company that invented the iPitch will be on. And we're going to talk about iPitch with him. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to go over that. And I'm excited to have a conversation about this amazing um, piece of technology that you know, came out through this company and we're going to learn a lot about it. And I'm very excited about it. Next week's bar down hockey's over, but bar down ain't over. We got hockey to talk about all summer. Uh, my favorite team, the New Jersey devils just made a huge move today. Jesper Bratt is sticking around for eight more years. I mean, that is just outstanding stuff. That's exactly what I live for in terms of sports. And, you know, I'm excited to be covering that all, all the time. Um, 
I'm getting word. We want to show the Indiana Jones Day is coming up at Guaranteed Ray Field, and they have a funny image of a bobblehead that they're going to be giving away. Um, do we want to show that? Now, there it is. There it is. Indiana Jones, Andrew Vaughn edition. Indiana Vaughn on June 25th. You can go and get the Indiana Jones, uh, Andrew Vaughn bobblehead. So that's hilarious. Hopefully the White Sox are able to win a bunch of games ahead of them, though, and that'll make everybody want to go get the Andrew Vaughn bobblehead. Although I've noticed even this season there have been some major crowds for these giveaways. So, you know, credit to White Sox fans for sticking around no matter what. They're 30 and 39. They're 6 and 4 in their last 10. They're 5.5 out of first place. They can absolutely um, get, you know, back into contention. Um, should be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes. But I can't thank everybody enough for joining our program. And, you know, we'll see you next week with South Brib Sitman on Monday. I'll be on three different shows throughout the week. I hope everybody has a very safe and enjoyable weekend. And as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing. <laughs> <laughs>